Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to the latest episode of Marketing B2B Technology from Napier. Uh, today, I've got Tim Langley, who's uh, describes himself as the founder, the CEO, and chief dog's body at Candy. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, Tim, I mean, I mean, the first thing is, you know, how do you uh, get a career that lets you end up with chief dog's body at Candy? You know, how, how did you get to this point? Oh, do you know, I, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a, a very easy question to answer. So uh, um, I uh, studied maths at university, did a year working for a uh, for a startup and then decided, you know, what, I think it'd be fun to be running my own business. That was nearly 20 years ago. And uh, and how do you get how do you get a title like chief dog's body? Um, it's like anything, isn't it? The joy of running a business is uh, you keep every title until someone else wants it. And uh, in 20 years, no one's wanted to take that one from me yet. Yeah, I must admit, uh, last week, I found out how many employees it took to change a light bulb. And the answer was only one. They asked me and then I do the light bulb changing. So I totally understand. It's do you, do you know it's it's that's like the classic computer science joke, isn't it? How many uh, how many software engineers did it take to change a light bulb? None. It's a hardware problem. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't. They, they don't. They don't get any better. I'm afraid. I, I was going to say, I think you you now qualify as having the best software engineer joke on the podcast. So uh, congratulations for that. I'm I, I'm interested. I mean, you, you mentioned having to do a lot of candy, but you're actually also involved in a couple of other companies. Can you tell us uh, a bit about that as well? Yeah, well, so, so Candy now is uh, is thirteen years old, and uh, um, we have we've always prided ourselves as kind of being like the innovators in the space. So we're we're a twenty strong person business. Fifteen of us though are developers, um, so very very thin on the ground for sales, marketing, business. Very much innovation, development, building things. And uh, first business I got involved, or first spin out business, and, and and all of them, all of these are spin out businesses from Candy, but. Uh, two and a half years ago, met a chap called Adam Herbert, who was very experienced within the data industry. We started a business together called Go Live Data. Um, Go is the it's the UK's best uh, source of B two B marketing lists, marketing data. We start from UK companies' house and then find the online profiles and, and all the all the thermographic data around the uh, around the organisation. So uh, so that's 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 Go. And then I also started a business called Comply, and Comply is very similar to Go, but with a financial crime slash anti money laundering uh, hat on. So uh, Comply has been very very busy over the last uh, four and a half months, while uh, uh, a number of our uh, larger customers have started to ask us, "Can you guarantee there's no Russians involved in our customer base?" So. Uh, Yes, life is exciting with uh, with those two strands, but uh, but no, ca- candy's always been my baby. So uh, and 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 fortunately, uh, fortunately, we should be uh, some fun things to talk about with candy as well. And and everything around data, which I think is really interesting. It's it's all it's all around data. That's that's been that's been my passion for I say for twenty odd years now. Has been data, and then specifically people and marketing data. Cool. So Candy is spelt C-A-N-D-D-I. I, I guess the, the most important question is, is why Candy? Is it a love of sweets? 
Uh, do, do you know, we, we get all things really. In fact, we have a, uh, we have a number of American customers and they, they struggle with the word candy. We often get, is that C and die? No, it's candy. <laughs> um, uh, so, but it, it's actually got a funny little story really. So, so just before starting candy, I've had, as I mentioned, I've, I've been, been running businesses for 20 years. I've, I had a, a couple of businesses that went well. I had a couple of businesses that didn't go so well. Just before starting candy, I was consulting for a, a, a actually a digital agency in Manchester, as was at the time, um, which is a company called And Digital, and uh, and started pitching to and, and basically looking at the stuff they were doing, and they had an awful lot of trying to pull together different data sets very manually, and so started pitching to them around. Ah, I reckon if we did a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this, we could build a product out of this. Um, and they went, Tim, that sounds amazing. We'd love to be your first investors. I went, I wasn't even looking for investors, but that sounds amazing. They said, there's one criteria, though. The company name has to include the words and digital. That's just kind of one of the things they did. So the real name of a company is Campaign and Digital Intelligence Limited. But that's such a mouthful that we then went, okay, what can we really call it? But but do you know what? I, I love the name Candy. I wouldn't change it for the world. But if I had to do it again, I wouldn't call it Candy. The number of iterations of the name, I own C-A-N-D-D-I.com, C-A-N-N-D-I.com, C-A-N-D-I. <laughs> It's like it's like an SEO nightmare trying to uh, trying to get the word uh, the, the word candy. <laughs> okay, so so a, a memorable but rather hard to spell name uh, by the sounds of it. So I mean, can you tell us what problem candy solves? So the core of candy, we want to be putting a name and a face against an otherwise anonymous website visitor. So um, we, we, when, when I first started and, and actually when we demo the software to people, we start with this slide that's got this big black hole in the middle and all kinds of different marketing channels around the edge. So be it uh, SEO, be it PPC, be it email marketing, be it social. The, the fact of the matter is there's a billion different ways to get people to come onto your website, um, which is great. And, and, and within reason, they all work. And, and and you then have traditional, I call them traditional, but traditional tools such as Google Analytics, which can give you like the aggregate numbers. So yesterday you had 100 visitors onto your website, 20 of them came from SEO and 30 of them came from an email campaign you ran. And do you know what? That's for, for a lot of our for a lot of our B2B customers. That's not a bad kind of scenario. The problem is, and this is a bit, and, and this is a bit, this is, a, if you like, the hypothesis statement that started the business. But the problem is, you can see what's getting people to the website, but then with the thing we hear time and time again, they land on the website and it's like this black hole. You know, people are there, but it's like having a shop window, and 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 just you can see people walking by. But unless you can reach out, unless you can engage with them, unless you ultimately, unless you know who they are, it's very, very little you can do. From a sales perspective, you just have to hope and pray they fill in a form on the website. Um, and in many instances, for B two B, especially especially growing and and, and sales focused B two B businesses, they want to be a bit more proactive than just wait and hope somebody comes and fills a form in. 
So, so what we do, we integrate in with all of the digital marketing channels, be it SEO, be it, be it email marketing. We integrate in with them. We use those to pick up signals and then either identify the company or potentially identify down to the actual named individual and be able to say, it's not just a random visitor. This is Mike Maynard from Napier. He's a really hot prospect. That's fascinating. So, I, I mean, particularly what you're trying to do is catch people between arriving at the website and filling in the form, which is where a lot of people disappear. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. There's two bits, really. So so there's, so there's one bit, which is, um, and if you look through the whole uh, AIDA awareness model, so uh, 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 awareness, interest, decision, action, crikey, I, I nearly forgot it then. <laughs> um, so one piece, one piece, which is a piece you just alluded to there, Mike, is the very top of the funnel, catching people when between arriving on the website and filling the form, when they're still in that kind of, oh, do I know who you are? Am I interested enough? And we, and that gives, that gives, uh, that gives our, our customers, that gives our, our, our people who use our software, the opportunity to try and get involved with people who might otherwise disappear. The second piece, though, which is e actually equally as valuable, often we'll find that, that prospects will come to a website, they'll fill in a form to download a lead magnet or to get a piece of content, etc. But they're not yet ready to buy. They've expressed interest, but they're not ready for the decision or the action phase. And so, so then what happens is they'll then come back to the website and num and, and, and actually, sorry, just to jump in, but 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 if if you jump down their throat too fast when they're just at the interest phase, you end up turning them off rather than turning them on. Because, whoa, I'm not I'm not ready yet. Just give me a break. Um so so the second bit where candy's really useful is because we're tracking computers, because we're watching the activity that people do on the website, we can say, look, this person, they filled in a form but they're probably not quite ready for a really a really full-on conversation. Drop them an email back, don't bother making a phone call to them yet. What then happens is they come back to your website a month, a week, six months, a year later. They don't necessarily fill in a form again, but Candy goes, that's interesting. I've seen this person. I've seen this computer. And so we can then give this much richer picture for the people who've already filled in forms and give you an indication of when the right time to engage might be. So, so it kind of hits both sides, both the very top of the funnel, but also the people who are getting hotter, starting to get closer towards being able to make that uh, the decision and take action. That's interesting. So uh, that that towards the bottom of the funnel, I think you're acting quite like a marketing automation platform might do in terms of tracking people um, and understanding where they're visiting and potentially, you know, driving actions from that. Would that be right? Yes. So, so Candy, it, 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 marketing automation has always been an interesting space for us. And it's, it's, it's not something we have yet. I use that carefully, but it's not something we've yet wandered into. We we integrate. We, we, so, so, so when we when we look at when we look at the whole space of uh, uh, of people in a similar position to Candy, there's there are a number of organisations, a number of, of competitors who do company level IP tracking. We can talk about that in the future, but that's that's really about identifying the company based on the IP address that someone's coming from. 
There's also a number of organisations which which you mentioned, be it, be it HubSpot, be it Eloqua, be it Marketo, the, the full service marketing automation plays who do everything for you. And one of the things we've always said, they are great pieces of technology if you're going to put everything into their stack. It's interesting, but a number of our larger customers, one of the things they get out of Candy, they use marketing automation platforms for the automation, as it says, but they they, they actually, what, what you discover is they use multiple different platforms and each platform tracks and identifies its people, but they don't have that holistic view that goes, okay, and especially when people are using third parties as well, so they might use a third party to do their data send, and then they use their own platform to do their nurturing, and then the salespeople send their own emails, and, and they end up with all these little pots of data. One of the pieces Candy does is pull all of that together to give this slightly more holistic, almost a, a customer data platform or CDP. Um, so, yeah, no, marketing automation is a really, and, and, and marketing automation has been a very interestingly growth space over the last 13 years. As I say, Candy, we've, we've kind of cut this interesting place that goes on one hand, providing the, the providing a lightweight marketing type platform, and the other hand, providing a CDP and providing the actual, the data, the pulling it all together for, uh, for the larger organizations. That's interesting. I mean, the other thing as well is, is when I use Candy, and, and just so people know, we actually are a Candy customer at Napier. So um, we, we are Candy users. When I use it, it feels much more sales focused than any kind of marketing automation platform. I know clients, when they've tried to get sales teams to use the marketing automation platforms, it, it's fraught with difficulty. It's not what sales teams like. It's hard enough to get them to use the CRM. So, I mean, is, is that another benefit that it's a more sales friendly presenting activity i you you took you took the words right out of my mouth we uh, you're absolutely right we once one time we used to we used to describe it the, the, the keys in the name isn't it is marketing automation um and uh with with a joke you almost don't want your sales team to be going into it because you want them focused on what do i need to do today um and then one of the pieces we have in candy is these very focused lists of here are the people that were on your website yesterday here are the people that are taking action today. So from a sales side, it's very great. I need to tick these boxes versus let me go and wander around and have a look at all of the all of the reasons why not to be making uh, not not to be making sales or not to be making the uh, the contact or the calls. Yes, Candy came from a very sales focused background rather than rather than this more generic marketing piece. Um, Definitely. No, I, I think it's really helpful to sales teams. I want to step back. You, you briefly mentioned the identification of anonymous visitors, so working out which company people are from. Can you explain a little bit more about what Candy does to, to work out which company people are from? Yeah, absolutely. So let's start by talking about how the industry does it, and then I'll, then I'll talk about some of the, the additional pieces which Candy does. Um, so the core the core of company identification has always been IP tracking and using IP addresses. So as I'm, as I'm sure the majority of your listeners know, Mike, when any time you connect to the internet, your computer gets given an IP address. And that's how the server knows how to communicate with your computer and, and your computer to communicate with the server. And servers or technology like Candy can capture these IP addresses and, and, and go, okay, here's an IP address, 81.27.124.17, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, every, every IP address is registered to an organization. 
most IP addresses are registered to internet service providers, so Virgin Media, British Telecom, etc. But for medium and larger businesses, they generally have their own what would be called a static IP address. And so this would be an IP address registered in the name of that company. And if a visitor comes from behind that company's IP address, you can say somebody from Napier was on your website yesterday. Um, and, and that can be useful. There, there, there's a number of problems with just relying on IP addresses. So one problem is that uh, when, when all you have is IP addresses, you've got no way to know whether it was one person coming 10 times or 10 people coming once. If you, if you imagine an office full of people, you, you also don't know who it was that was coming from from behind the IP address. Sometimes sometimes that can be OK. So if there's an organization, you're very, very focused in who you who you market to, who you sell to. You can go, you know, on balance of probability, the only person who's going to be coming on our website is going to be the CFO or is going to be the facilities manager, etc. Um, but actually, it might just as well be that it was one of their it was one of their managers or even it was the office intern who was tasked with doing the research the second the second problem if you like with uh, with ips is uh, and again go back to when candy started 13 years ago everybody browsed the internet or predominantly browsed the internet from behind their work desktop computer these days uh, i don't know about you and, and me but it's the ipad it's the phone it's the coffee shop it's the uh whilst whilst commuting to and from london etc 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 those are the times i'm more often doing my awareness interest and in those instances very rarely will someone show up as as, as coming from behind a static ip address generally they'll be on a uh, on a mobile connection or on a uh, a home broadband um so that's the ip tracking piece now we we do a few bits deeper than that in candy so candy um candy uses cookies to track rather than ips so we we drop a, a first we can talk about cookies i'm sure privacy will come up in a second but but we we drop a first party cookie on the device so that means we can track when that computer comes back to that specific website um, we don't follow you around the internet. We only track you on that single single company's properties. But because we do this, we can pick up when a visitor comes from behind multiple IPs. So if you use the computer in work, at home, on the train, on the coffee shop, we would see that as the same computer across multiple different IP addresses. And then we can plug into other types of data to go, mm, who's this person likely to be? So what you're doing is you're you're almost looking to see when this cookie gets associated with the company. Um, and then you know that person obviously works for that company because they're behind the firewall. Yes. Number one is we look for when that cookie gets associated with the company. And then number two, if we're really lucky, when that cookie gets associated with a named individual. So if they either fill a form and click an email, um, connect through LinkedIn, in that instance, we go, ah, and now it's not just about the company, it's about the actual person at the company. Perfect. Okay. So how do people use this data? I'm interested particularly in the, the anonymous data. You referred to the fact of there could be a challenge in knowing who from the company has visited the site. You know, do you find people who have value, you know, suddenly seeing a particular customer increase activity? Or how else do people use this data? So we, we spoke earlier about the difference between or some of the differences between sales and marketing. 
And we very definitely have two different uh, types of users. So for the sales user, even the company level data can be useful. We've built over uh, over the last uh, period of time, we've built a number of plugins to try to help identify otherwise anonymous people. So we have uh, we have the ability to see who the key employees at the company are. So you see somebody from Napier Communications, we go, okay, that's kind of interesting. We go, that's kind of interesting. Here are the key people that work at that organization. Um, so you can go, you, we, we have a plugin for Outlook and a plugin for Gmail. So if you actually know somebody at the company or know people at the company, you can send them a one-to-one -one individual email. And obviously, as I'm sure you know, one-to-one -one emails have far higher open rates, far higher click-through, far higher engagement. We have a plugin for LinkedIn. So often our, often our sales users, they'll, they'll go, okay, somebody from this company, let's go onto LinkedIn, let's see who's at that company, whom I already connected to, who could I connect with, make the connections. And then when people or when their connections start to engage, we can then identify them on the website. Um, that, that's kind of a sales side. With the marketing side, it's much more around, is our message going out to the right kind of people? If we're building a message aimed at UK businesses, do we tend to see UK businesses coming onto the site? Or actually, is it American businesses or Canadian businesses? Or or So with our marketing teams, we give them that bit more of a generic, but actually drilled down to the company and the thermographic details. I don't know, you're aiming for large businesses, but it seems most of the stuff's being read by smaller businesses. Okay, maybe allows you to rethink where, uh, rethink the type of content and rethink the the information you're putting out there. That's that's really interesting. And presumably, if um, if I'm running an account based marketing campaign, I can actually measure the impact on traffic from the accounts I'm targeting in Candy to see to see the move there. Do you know what account based marketing? Account based marketing has probably been one of the biggest buzzwords over the last few years. It's it's certainly one of our biggest, certainly our fastest growing service. Actually, it's it's definitely working. Yeah. And I think one of the things we found is, of course, when you start an account based marketing campaign, you don't necessarily run it as a lead gen campaign, and so it's quite hard to get those results. And certainly, seeing the data in Candy mm. um, definitely helps. It, it it often gives that tangible or slightly more tangible. We know we're doing the right thing whilst it might take a number of months to actually see the, the lead numbers actually tick through. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes. Definitely. So, I, I mean, Kenny's obviously pulling in a lot of data, both personal and, and also um, firmographic. You mentioned it before. I mean, there's, there's always the GDPR question. What, what's the privacy implications on what you do? What do marketers need to be aware of? Uh, do you know what? It's, uh, it's the... Uh, $64,000 question, isn't it, about privacy these days? And uh, it's also changing and evolving so much, both at, uh, both at a legal perspective, but also at a technical perspective and, and everything that's going on under the covers. So, uh, um, so few pieces. And let's, let's go through and, and try and get some of these down, but please feel free to ask about any of the, uh, any of the bits that go through. So piece number one, obviously, um, is the GDPR angle. So let's just talk about that. So um, Candy only captures data from people coming onto our customer's site. That, that, that's where we build our data sets from. So we rely on the fact that our customers have a legal basis for holding that data. And Candy is simply a data processor of 
the data our customers control. What I mean to say there is we don't own any of the data from your site. Um, it's your data, you get to choose or you get to, to make requests as to what you want to do with that. Now, for most of our customers, they rely on legitimate interests as their, as their legal basis. And in a B2B world, that makes a lot of sense. I, I would not use candy. I would not use technology like candy in any in any form of uh, high risk data or, or, or very, 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 very personal data. So if you're doing anything with children or if you're doing anything with medical records, this wouldn't be the right type of tool to be using. But if you're a B2B business, if you're if you're selling to other other B2B companies or other other B2B uh, uh, organizations, then the legitimate interest, the ability to say, look, we saw someone came onto our website. They are a genuine prospect for us. That's why we're tracking them. That's why we're that's why we're doing this. The second side, which which I touched on in the beginning, um, is about cookies and about first party versus third party. So this is this is whereas GDPR was the buzzword of uh, of, of 2018, 2019, the buzzword of 2020, uh, 22, 23 almost certainly is going to be the fact that if you read all the, all the articles, cookies are dying, they're going away. No one's ever going to accept cookies anymore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the truth of the matter is, in the same way that GDPR made us think carefully about what we were doing with marketing data, but it didn't stop marketing and it didn't destroy the industry and, and all of the above, the same is going to be true with, with the first party versus third party cookies. So third party cookies effectively are cookies that follow you around the internet. This is where you go and look at a dishwasher and then you go and read a news article and it says, buy this dishwasher now. That's driven off a third party cookie. First party cookies are just about, they only collect data on that one website, on that one company's, on that one company's property. Um, so they're, they're, they're much more about, and, and we, we've said this for years and can, it's our technology and the best way to use this technology is to help, we help companies build relationships with people and organizations who want to have relationships with them. If, if, I, if you think about it from a sales perspective, at the end of the day, even if I come onto your website, if I don't want to have a relationship with your business, it's pointless trying to force me to because nobody wins. All that happens is you waste marketing money, you waste sales time. Whereas if it's just that I do, but I just don't quite know how to get started, well, that's a great prospect for you. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm going, does any of this make sense? Is there any other, I, I can talk about privacy till the cows come home. So, uh, I, I think it, it's very important that the differential you made about first party and third party cookies, and that's quite technical, but it, you know, it really is at the heart of the new regulations are impacting third party, aren't they? Yeah, correct. We, in fact, actually go, going back a number of years, we coined a, uh, we coined a description. We call it the pub landlord conversation. Uh, if you've got a couple of minutes, but uh, so the, the pub landlord conversation says, uh, and by the way, Candy, we're, we're based in Manchester. Um, we're in the centre of, well, in fact, we're in the northern quarter, if anyone knows, knows Manchester well. But uh, for the last five years, I've been going on a Friday night 
finish work, obviously COVID notwithstanding, but uh, I would go to the same pub on a Friday night with the team in Candy and we'd sit down, we'd have a beer, just let off steam at the end of the, of the long week. And uh, and obviously over time, I'd start to build a relationship with the pub landlord. And, and so I'd go in there, I went in there one day and uh, and, and he goes, uh, and, I, and it, it must have been a really bad week because you could read on my face it was a bad place. And, and he says, Tim, he says, um, you look like you've had a tough week. Why don't you sit down? There's a pint of Guinness. He knows I drink Guinness. There's a pint of Guinness. Just it's on the house. Have a few minutes. Just get get stress off. And then when you're ready, we'll have a proper conversation. And I went, Do you know what? That's really, really good. The, the landlord recognised who I was. He knew I liked drinking Guinness. He saw I was in a bad mood. That's a great relationship. And the fact that I want to have a relationship with him. So I go, brilliant. That's great customer service. That's a good analogy, if you like, of a, a first party tracking where we want to have a relationship. Now, the counter to that is uh, maybe I, I, I jump on a train to London and I walk into a, in, into a bar in the middle of Shoreditch and the landlord goes, you're Tim Langley. I've seen you on the Internet. I'm going to run a mile. <laughs> and then that's the best analogy of third party. That, obviously, everybody has their own definitions of, of what they feel comfortable sharing and what they view as, as, as personal and private and et cetera. But that, to me, is the distinction between the two. I get to choose and I get to, I, I, I get to choose who I want to have a relationship with. And on the assumption they want to have a relationship with me, we have a beautiful, beautiful situation. The one where they pull together data that I'm not necessarily aware of, that's uncomfortable. That's not something uh, that's not something that's good for me as an individual. It's not something that's good for uh, for a business either. I, I love that explanation. That's that's fantastic. Really clear differentiation there. And absolutely. I think everyone would it, run a mile to finally have a stalker. It's, uh, it's a scary it, thing. It, 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 it's a very English analogy, though. It doesn't translate so well across mm -hmm. the pond. <laughs> so i i, I mean I, i'm mindful of the time here i mean just looking at installing candy it obviously does quite a lot is it does that mean it's complicated to install and manage it, it, it's super well it's super simple to install and manage um it, it's literally put one line of code on your website we take care of everything else where where it can be more complex, maybe complex is the wrong word, but but where it can be more more challenging is sometimes it involves sales teams and salespeople starting to change their behaviours and think a bit more about how they actually want to engage and how they actually how they go about contacting. The days I think it's fair to say the days of cold calling, picking up the phone and just going, "Hey, Mike, I want to speak to you now." are probably passed. It's definitely a much more subtle approach. And so we, when we start working with clients, we have a, a very strong customer success team and they work very closely with people trialing candy and very closely with our customers to help them think about how to best use this within their business. So technically it's simple, but, uh, but, but sometimes, sometimes we dive a lot deeper with customers to really help them get the best out of it. That's, that's really interesting. So, I, I mean, presumably people, they look at the data and they might go, oh, I can see somebody I really care about, somebody, you know, suddenly it's, it's it's an instant, this is perfect, I can understand. Oh, when they look at these products, I didn't know this customer was interested in these products. That, that must be a, a great feeling, yeah. but sometimes it requires a bit more time and effort to dig deep to find the, the information that matters. 
And and sometimes it requires a bit, as you said, then a bit more lateral thinking. So we've had times we've had times when we've had people say, well, I know these people already. Why do I need to know they're on our website? And actually, they'll then spread it out to the wider team. And maybe it's the account manager who goes, you might already know those people, Mr. Salesperson, but my goodness, I really want to know. Uh, another one another one we found is, is sometimes we'll see people go and they'll see customers looking at their terms and conditions or their contract terms. And you go, whoa, that's a red mm-hmm. flag. You might want to know about that. If your best customer is looking at, uh, at terms and conditions, that's a good indication that it might be time to start touching base and say, hi, how are you again? Um, so, yes, that's kind of the wider picture thinking that uh, when people are thinking very linearly, sometimes they don't always, uh, it doesn't always jump out as the immediate benefit. No, absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, in, in marketing, running a marketing agency, if people look at the client's page, or they look at the our people page, or they look at both. It's it's a real indication that they're interested. So uh, yeah, I totally understand that. Exactly. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to try Candy, I mean, it, it, it's a line of code on the website, so it sounds simple. But is it easy to get a trial? How do you how do you um, you know let people test the product? Yeah. So we we as as with many SaaS businesses, we are a, a free trial first business. Candy.com slash register, or just go to www.candy.com and, and there's plenty of ways to uh, to register from there. When we work with people, we do a 30 day free trial to get started. And, and during that free trial, our customer success team are regularly reaching out, touching base, just trying to make sure that we can give you the best possible experience of, uh, of, of the software to hand. Um, so very, very, very simple, very, very easy to, uh, to get started. Um, we, and we, we love having new people on board. Brilliant. So, so just go to uh, candy, com or one of the other versions you've got and, uh, and try it out. That's a, a great message. I, I mean, it's been really great talking to you. If people are, are interested in finding out more or maybe have a question, is there a way they can get hold of you on the internet? <laughs> there's a hundred ways to get hold of me on the internet but uh tim, tim at candy.com or reach out to me tim langley on linkedin um i uh in, in fact actually it's it's the joy of growing of, of building a, a growing business is is there are more and more people in the team to uh to take over stuff but actually i i, I really enjoy when people reach out and ask me questions and it's it's sometimes it's just really nice to actually touch base and understand the kind of things people are, are actually interested in asking about so uh, more than happy to answer any questions perfect and and i mean th- that's brilliant you know if people are interested in a, a software product they've got the email address of the ceo that's uh that's a pretty compelling uh, thing there so that's great <laughs> I, 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 I told you we were kind of different in that space but uh, yes <laughs> Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate this. It's, it's been such a good conversation, not only just about candy, but about cookies, about privacy, about all sorts of things. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Tim. Th- thanks very much for having me, Mike. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.